Hi, welcome to Shelter in Place. I'm Christine Porch. I'm Alan Combs. Today we're going to chat with a couple of college students about what it was like to have the spring break that would never end. Like they were all basically packed away at college, they had gone off, and then they were suddenly back home again. And it's, it happened right around the time of college spring break. So we're looking forward to chatting with those two folks. Let's hunker down. Christine, what was a big world event that happened like while you were in college that like you remember? The one that comes to mind that the fastest was um, my freshman year of college was the beginning of the first Gulf War. And I just remember being fixated on the TVs and the lounges. 9-11 happened while I was uh, in college, though. You know, I mean, looking back on it, like, I don't even think even So what then... he just did is he just told you guys that I'm approximately 13 to 14 years older than him. Oh, by the way, folks. It was like you, a slam. If you if you think that that, that description makes it makes either of us, uh, wait till you, we talk to the college students and see how old we both sound. Yeah, because I literally like say you things didn't like, have, you young whippersnappers. Right, and like you didn't have email when you were in college. I didn't. I didn't, though. I did not have email. Like, there was no texting. There was no email. There were no cell phones. It is kind of amazing to think about that. It'll be interesting to hear from them about what it's like to to do learning from a distance the way that they're having to. Because like if that had, even like when I was in college, you were in college. Like if this had happened then, like what would we have done? I don't I don't even. We know. would have used like literally at the end of the very tail end of my college experience, I was a camp counselor. <laughs> this sounds like this is going to go down a very bad route, but it, it doesn't. Camp. One time at band camp, but I was a camp counselor. And that was the year that they had those massive phones that you would carry around with a strap. Like a bag phone? A bag phone. Because I think for us, I mean, we had email and we had like Blackboard where you could like access assignments. But in terms of like video sort of conferencing conversations, like I, 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 don't, I don't know what we would have done. I mean, it would just We had those Mac computers that were boxes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that were yeah. just the, the, mask, the Mac desktops that were... Yeah, this is like, this is really like, I remember, this is the portion of the episode where it's like, when I was your age, that's what it should be called. When I was your age, this is what this was like. I went to undergraduate in Houston and in Houston, you didn't even have snow days, right? You, you actually only had flood days. Like if a hurricane came through and there was a flood, then you got off. That was it. Well, in Hamden, Sydney, like, so there's a myth at Hamden, Sydney that like they've never canceled classes since the civil war or something, which is actually not true. They've canceled it plenty of times since then. But so we rarely got a snow day because most everybody lived on campus. Even then, like we had, we did have a. You said a hurricane. We literally had a hurricane come through, and and the power was out. And somebody was like, you know what? We should still have class. This is a great idea. It was a terrible idea because uh, I mean, it was just going to going to class in like a room with no lights. Like I don't know, but that was like there there was sort of a uh, mythos about that. Like it and him saying like we we have to go to class no matter what. Here's what I think is interesting: the things that we think about that were quote disruptive right yeah. when we were in college even honestly even 9-11 like I remember watching tv for like two weeks straight right after 9-11 but this is like totally different completely different right yeah because I mean 9-11 happened like literally I watched the planes like hit and then I went to class like I still went to class like right after that happened and and we we, we no, I don't think we lost any classes or any time or anything I mean this is like you know, if that had meant that the entire year was shut down. I mean, I can't think of anything like that or any kind of analog. Yeah. I mean, I remember planes not flying for a few weeks right after 9-11. That was it. And it was weird not to see planes because we're in a, because of where we are, we're kind of, we see them a lot. Um, but that there was nothing that has been as disruptive as, right. as this and nothing that is, feels like it's taken as much time and mental energy and attention. Right. And even 9-11 was a fixed event. Right. So you had sort of the thing that happened and then there was a little bit of anxiety about like, is this going to happen again? Is there going to be more of this? And then as that sort of faded, 
the anxiety probably faded in a certain way. Whereas part of, I think what's so anxiety inducing about this is it's just totally open-ended, right? Like it just depends on how long it takes for us to like flatten the curve. Like that's, and, and that's, there's some science involved in that, but we just got to keep doing what we're doing and, and hope that, that that comes sooner than, than, than later. SipTequila.com is a curated collection of high-end tequilas that can be shipped directly to your door. From crystal clear Blanco tequilas to older tequilas aged for six years in red wine barrels, SipTequila.com has something for everyone, novices and aficionados alike. Their white glove delivery service gets the bottles to you safely and securely with their very cute lids wherever you are in the United States. When your bottle arrives, follow along with their tasting notes and education for the full agave experience. Shop, ship, and sip with SipTequila.com. Mention that you heard this on our podcast with code SHELTER, S-H-E-L-T-E-R, and you'll get free shipping. SipTequila.com. We're back in the studio with our guests, Annalise Gallio and Wells Carson. Both are college students. Um, Annalise is at the Boston Conservatory and Wells is at Princeton. I'd like each of you guys to tell a little bit about yourselves instead of me trying to do it because there's so much information about both of you. Annalise, why don't you get started? Hi, I'm Annalise. Um, I'm a freshman uh, at Boston Conservatory. I'm a music theater major. What I'm hoping to do with a music theater major is a very loaded question, but um, I hope to be performing my whole entire life as well as eventually maybe teach others about the art of the world. <laughs> she sing pretty. Real nice. Real nice. I'm a, I'm a transfer. I was a music theater major at, an, at a liberal arts college, and then I decided to transfer into the world of conservatory, which was a big leap and, you know, 11 hours from home in Boston. So big city, big city girl now. I just wanted to have a freshman year and a redo of my freshman year. And, and now I feel like I never really get to have a freshman year because both of them have been so different. And it's just crazy to, to not have a freshman year. I guess it, I guess I sit and think about a lot that I'm like, oh, I don't get the freshman year experience, but also I don't really care because like I'm just excited to just like be doing what I'm doing. So it's it's a constant battle. Hey, Wells, your turn. Sure. So I'm a sophomore at Princeton. I'm studying anthropology. We have three different tracks in anthropology. I'm actually the sociocultural track, which is the most broad and the easiest to fulfill in terms of requirements. <laughs> and nice. I want to go into law. Uh, possibly immigration law, and I'm not just doing that to suck up to you, I swear. Oh, sure. But, um, <laughs> right, right. I would be just like Christine. Uh -huh. so <laughs> and um, I'm a Spanish minor. And after college, before law school, though, I actually am hoping to teach for a little while. Yeah. So one of the things that um, we're sort of like looking into at this podcast or we're asking our guests about is how you're experiencing um, shelter right now. I mean, literally, where are you sheltering? Who are you sheltering with? how you're kind of managing it just from a logistics standpoint right now. So I'm very, I feel very lucky because I get a shelter at my house. I'm with my family and my mom and stepdad and my two brothers. It's been nice being home because I haven't been home in a year. And so it's, it's been fun getting to, to study and do everything at my house and just like getting to be with my family for the first time in a while, which is, which is really nice. Wells, how about you? So I'm also at home. Uh, again, like Emily said, I feel very lucky that I get to be home. A lot of my friends at school are from areas that are, um, you know, Italy, China. I have friends from kind of 
areas that are really tough and they didn't actually get to go home. So I'm feeling very lucky. I'm with my family as well. My mom, dad, and brother. It's been a lot of family time, but it's actually, it's been really nice. Uh, we're, I've been forced to help clean up the attic, which has been interesting, but, um, <laughs> yeah, my kids are really happy about the to-do list that I've come up with for them. Yeah, No complaints though. It's been a uh, nice, difficult or kind of adjusting to online school, but it's actually really nice too, because my friends and I have actually started scheduling zoom meetings with each other. And so, uh, friendships have become very scheduled. On that note, tell us a little bit more about online schooling. How's that working out? How are you guys experiencing that? How are your peers experiencing it? Online class has been really tough, in my opinion. I feel like I haven't fully transitioned to online because my work is is heavily ensemble-based and being in person with professors and working. I'm, it's fully my freshman year is working on like hands-on work with like my body and like being able to use my voice um, in in a setting with live people. And it's been really hard trans- transitioning to online studies because of the aspect of not being in the room with live people. How are you taking those classes that were so physical or so, you know, ensemble-based? It is all on Zoom, which is kind of weird seeing everyone on a my small computer screen every morning at 9 a.m., especially because it's one of the biggest classes on Zoom right now is my voice and speech class. And that class is all about like just freeing your natural voice and being able to use your voice and feeling comfortable with using your voice. And it's just so odd now that I'm waking up and going in my basement and rolling around on my floor in my basement and then yelling in my house. Sounds like a normal day for me, Annalise. It's a normal day here <laughs> in my household. But yeah, it's it's been really hard just because a lot of my classmates are on the West Coast, so they're having to wake up at 6 a.m. to take a 9 a.m. class. I mean, the days that I wake up and I complain about being up at 9 a.m., I think, wow, they have to be up at 6 a.m., so Annalise stopped complaining. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been tough to, to do such personal ensemble work online. For your work, uh, you know, it seems like you would need to have, like, one-on-one conversations with, with your teachers at a certain point. Do you have to schedule those separately, or do those happen? What does that look like? Usually, we don't have as many one-on-ones. It's kind of just we'll talk as a class, and then our teacher will tell us, you know, everything with the class present because it's just a very open setting. And it's also been very nice with some of my classes because we're able to, like, we're empowered to use our voice. And so this whole transition online has been nice because our professors are with us and they understand it's stressful and they're angry with us. And it's sometimes nice to just like be able to, to talk like that with our professors and like being able to free my natural voice to my professors and yell in my basement. So Wells, how are you dealing with online schooling? Yeah. So I think my transition just because of my major has been slightly easier. Uh, honestly, the main struggle has been with discussion-based classes. A lot of my anthro classes and especially my Spanish classes are like eight to 10 people. And so it's just a lot less organic to try to discuss things with people where you can't really see their faces as well. You can't see their body language, their mannerisms. And so I think the the teachers are doing everything they can to foster an environment that feels the same as in person, but it's just pretty much impossible to do that when it's online. 
Yeah, because I mean, even on the Zoom calls you're on socially, right? It's so hard to be, whether it's for work or for, I had this great idea. I was going to put everybody on a Zoom call, but it was like Google Hangouts or something. And from the office and no one knew when to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody mm-hmm. just stares at each other. Well, even socially, when we've had zoom calls with friends, you know, you, you normally when you're all together, you're all, you, everyone just talks over each other Yeah, and right. you just can't do that. You all have to like, Oh, it's my turn. Can I talk? Like yeah. you can't, it's that, that really is. And I, and in a class setting where it's discussion based, that would be really difficult because you're, Jump! You're sort of. What do they always say? Uh, can I ba- unpack that? And can I back? Can I piggyback on that a little bit? Like you can't do <laughs> I that. If you're all, that. If you, yeah, you know you can't do that as easily when you're all like, okay, I have to raise my hand so that I can in- insert my comment. Um, that would be hard. So Wells, what um, about your major has made that transition easier for you to online schooling? So I just think, I mean, compared to Annalise, you know. I have a lot of friends that are dance or musical Wait, theater. Wait, Wells, majors. you're not laying in the bed in the bedroom, like rolling around on your back, and I mean, I am, but it's not during class. <laughs> and so, um, you know, just we're having discussions about, you know, like colonialism, and so it's not really we're being in person isn't as important. The only thing that being important or in person is important for is creating organic discussions, and so that's been the main difference honestly. When did you guys on your campuses find, sort of find out about what was happening with COVID and, and when did you get notice that, that you're, that you were going to have to go home? Like, what did that look like in each of your experiences? I found out, I remember getting the email about like when it started to become a thing. And it was like, right when we got back to school, it was maybe the second week of classes. I was really, really, really sick when I got the email and mm. I sent it to my friends and I said, all right, guys, say your goodbyes as a joke, oh, not yeah. thinking about like how, how it's impacted now. And right. like looking back at that, it's, it's so weird to think that like, it, it wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't as, it wasn't a joke, but it was just another school email that we were getting. That's like, be careful. Right. Because when you're in school, you get that kind of stuff all the time, right? Like there's like a stomach virus going around. It's like everybody, you know, you know I mean, th- those are just like run of the mill kind of. This is where I get, tell you, you guys, know. I didn't have email when I was in college. <laughs> so no, I don't know what you so mean. When, 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 I, when I was in college, uh, one of the great mistakes they made, because they they'd only had email for like a few years, was they, they actually gave us the power to email the entire school anytime we wanted. Oh, that's awesome. So that literally every day it would be like some guy who's like, I have four, four VHS tapes that no one wants to buy. And then like people just being like, listen, if you don't like this, I'm going to come across, I'm across, across campus and we're going to fight about it right now. And they would like put their room number, like and eventually they removed that. But that was actually a thing. Can you imagine? It was all meant a thousand men had the ability to scream at each other across campus by email. Yeah, that's um, terrifying. Yeah. So it was that sort of a digression, but um, it was one of the worst mistakes him to Sydney ever made was allowing us the ability to do that. So they, most places don't allow that anymore. So um, so anyways, you, you, you said it's a, it's a, it's a run of the mill email and you didn't think anything of it, Annalise. I mean, for being in Boston, I'm constantly in on public transportation. You don't think about like, you don't think about, Oh, I just touched a nasty pole. Let me go wash my hands. Like it became so normal to just like touch the crosswalk thing and walk across. And now looking at it today and being like, if I touch anything in my house, I have to go wash my hands. Like mm. it's, the change is just mind boggling that now I'm sitting at my house when I should be in class is crazy. Yeah, when and you should be freezing your little tail off in Boston because it's Yes, cold. exactly. <laughs> when I thought that I was going to finish my second freshman year and yet again, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Wells, what about you? How, when did you find out? So we kind of knew the situation was developing on and off, but then we got an email March 6th, actually, that said that after spring break, so this was like on a Wednesday, the next week was our midterms. And then the week after that was our spring break. And so we got an email that after spring break, we couldn't come back for another week. And so basically we had a two week spring break, which everyone was kind of confused by. And then the next couple following days, we got emails like, oh, this professor got tested positive. Um, a couple of administrators did, one or two students did. And then five days later on March 11th, we just got an email that said we had to all leave by the 19th, except for students in really, really dire circumstances. And so we kind of had seven or eight days notice that we had to pack up all our stuff and leave. When, when, um, since since people on campus had been, um, diagnosed or, or, or tested positive when you came home, uh, did you have to self isolate when you came home? So I had been self isolating at school. Actually, I was like by myself in my room. I went to meals alone. I only hung out with friends that were doing the same. Um, and so, yes, I didn't see anyone except my family, but, um, so like I was careful, but I wasn't alone by myself in my room. When you found out, you found out on the, it was like the week after your, your second week of spring break, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you basically had to pack everything up in how much time? Most people had about a week to pack everything up. Um, and so finding storage, storage was really crazy. Luckily, we lived close enough that my mom could drive up. But a lot of students had to figure out storage and then catch flights, which were being mm. canceled and changed all the time. And then also a lot of students, mainly seniors, who were really sad about having to leave and end out their senior year like that were throwing parties, um, you know, but then that's a lot of people in one space. And so then the administrator sent out an email that said, if you break social distancing rules, then you'll have to be leaving campus like immediately and possibly even um, actually be criminally charged. And so then the administrators are really cracking down, not out of not because they didn't like not because they wanted to like it was out of necessity but it just created an environment that was really felt dystopian almost it was pretty crazy i got the email the same day as well as actually um but we kind of figured out that if harvard closes the world closes which it's very true i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) we we were talking about it the other day in class that when harvard does anything um every most schools follow what harvard does once we got the email I had to pack in about two days. My family came up and they spent probably like less than 24 hours in total traveling up, getting my stuff and then immediately going home. And it was really hard, but like I was so thankful that I was able to like call them and that they were able to drive 11 hours there and back and to pick up my stuff because like I was stressed that I wasn't going to be able to have anywhere to store it. And all the storage units were either way too expensive or Um, They were full because of all of the students in Boston that were um, needing to store their things. So luckily they got to drive up, pick up all my stuff. I wasn't able to fit in the car. So I had to fly home, which was very scary with all of this and like no one else being on the plane and having Mm, to be very cautious while flying home. And the airports were completely empty. So yeah, that was, that was it. What day did you get home, Annalise? I got the email the 11th, and then I moved. I was home by the 14th. What about you, Wells? How fast did you get home after the, was it like three days later? So I decided to 
bide my time for a second just because I knew I was going to be sad <laughs> once I got home not from being around my family but from not being around my friends and so I got home my mom got there the 16th and then because it's a seven hour drive she spent the night and then we left on the 17th. Despite online schooling how are you guys having to adapt is there any other ways in which you feel like you've had to um, accommodate or adjust to the sort of new the new normal? Sure so the biggest thing for me is I always have to have a schedule or else I kind of feel like I'm losing my mind. And so like every day at every day, Monday through Thursday, my classes started at 11. Uh, I don't have class on Friday, luckily, but so I get up at nine, I go for a run and make myself breakfast, have class at 11. And then I will eat like a small snack at 1230. And then I have class at 130 to three. After that, I'll play with my brother some. We'll usually work on the attic a little bit, which I'm still a little upset about, but it's fine. And then <laughs> after that, I'll like um, probably relax for a little bit and then have dinner with my family, go for a walk with them usually, go to bed, do some homework, get up and repeat. I just have to have something every day, a timeline. And so even though this is really abnormal, I've been trying to kind of create a new normal for myself and right. designating specific activities that I do every day. So Annalise, besides rolling around on the floor and finding your real voice, is that what it's called? Finding your real voice? Your natural voice. Your natural natural voice. voice. That makes me want to begin to talk like this. Your free natural voice. So Annalise, how how are you having to adjust or adapt in light of COVID and all the disruption? How I've been explaining it to people is I don't know if I've completely adapted yet, but every week I'm going through a new transition phase of fully, you know, like becoming a normal. Because my first week of classes, I was ready, I was productive. My second week, I think I cried during every class. And now this week, it's starting to get a little bit easier. (laughs) It's just been stressful trying to find a schedule because I know that I need one. But yet I'll lay in bed until like 10 minutes before class starts and then I get up and I'm like, what's happening again? (laughs) And so, it, it's it's been personally very hard for me, but I do go on, I do try when it's nice and not like 40 degrees out like it is right now, um, to go on at least a three mile walk every day because like that's, it, it keeps me from worrying about the things that I have to do and the things that I need to do and just like listen to, listen to music, listen to a podcast, just go on a 40 minute walk and just like get everything out, which I have the past week just been walking and crying and laughing and people probably think I'm strange. Just tell them you're finding your natural voice. Yeah, I I am. Yes, I am freeing my natural voice. (laughs) It's all part of the work. But I feel I feel like everybody's doing that, right? Like everybody is like walking around and like crying and laughing and like because I mean, like we've talked about that several times on the podcast, like that we've all just taken turns doing that. Like even in our, like our friendships, like, it's just like, Oh, I like, it'll be like, we'll text each other and be like, Oh, I'm freaking out today. Like it's yeah, my it's turn, turn to freak out. And then we are all like, okay, it's going to be okay. And then the next day it's like, Hey, Oh, now you're freaking out with Joey's Joey says he's not Joey's freaking out. Ne- Joey, Except never for freaks Joey out. Uh, he, he's st- still is a deeper waters than the rest of us. But anyways, yeah. uh, we, we sort of just alternate, you know? So like, I, I don't think you're really any different than anybody else at least in my experience, because, like, I'll be fine, and then I'm just not fine. Like, and it it takes, like, half a day to sort of work out. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that everybody's, it's what we were talking about before. You default to whatever your basic personality is, like, whatever your basic 
the, the sort of natural tenor, if you are like Wells and you're like super organized right. and that's right. hierarchical yeah. well, and about stuff, then you're like, I know what to do. I can put this into order. Yeah. And whatever your deep patterns <clears throat> are, I think yeah. you like fall into like good or bad, like, like, you know, um, you know, I sort of get sort of a bad version of interiority where I'm just sort of like starting to like turning back in and like not, and not focusing on anything else. Like, I think, you know, you just sort of revert to some of those behaviors and, um, and yeah, I think that's true. Uh, everybody sort of deals with it that way too. We're trying to draw attention to populations that, um, are marginalized also are not being talked about a ton, which one of the things that we noticed was there's a lot of discussion of graduates from high school or from college, but there was very little about sort of the, the average college experience, right? The experience of folks having to move in and out of dorms or not be able to move in or out of dorms, not be able to go home. And then the New York Times had this really interesting article where um, they basically said, you know, college is a level playing field, or it tends to level the playing field at least. And what is transpiring right now is with all these Zoom calls is there is a disproportionate or a, or a, a real clear awareness of the inequities of different communities, um, you know, how different kids in different communities are living. Have you guys experienced that or have you noticed that? Is that something that you've kind of appreciated as your colleague, your peers and colleagues have been spread all over the U.S.? I can only talk, I can really only talk about my own experiences and not really many others just because everyone's is very different right now. But reading that article was very eye-opening because I feel like there's so many expectations put on us now that we've transitioned to online. Um, colleges are expecting us to have the internet access, the access to do classes online, the materials, um, and it's it's just really hard because you know, like the article said, someone can be resting in their summer their summer lake house, and then others can can be struggling to just figure out when where they're going to get dinner tonight. Yeah, and this was an article where it was like one one gal was in Florida, I think, right? And her family had like a food truck. And they were talking about how she was having to juggle that with working with her family's business, which was in the restaurant industry and getting tanked for all those reasons. Um, and then the other gal was up in Maine, I think. Isn't that right? Um, and was at a vacation home. And, and so I think that there is just such a varied experience. Um, Wells, how have you been dealing with that? Or how have you seen that come up for you? Yeah, so I've seen it. Actually, quite a bit. Um, I mean, Princeton has really great on-campus tutoring. We have a student health plan for students that don't have private health insurance. And so, like, I have some friends, I mean, myself included, I'm incredibly privileged that we went home and are trying to adjust, figure out a schedule, but we're fine. And then I have other friends that go home and they don't have internet access. They don't have a laptop. They're the main caretakers for their younger siblings and they don't have health insurance. And oh, so yeah. Princeton is doing... I mean, they're doing the best they can, but we have a optional pass-fail grading policy. And so some of these students who want to raise their GPA for graduate school, but don't have internet access are kind of have their hands tied here. And they're saying, well, we don't really know what to do. And so it's been incredibly difficult and interesting for a lot of people, I think. Um, and so it's been sad, but interesting to watch it play out, actually. Well, talk about that pass-fail thing for a second, Wells, because I knew that you have some strong feelings about that whole pass-fail system. So do you <laughs> want to address that? Yeah, so a lot of schools, um, I'm thinking of Yale in particular, went to just mandatory pass-fail. So all classes across the spectrum were pass-fail. Yeah, I think they did that at Duke, too. I think a lot of, I'm not exactly sure, but I think a lot of schools were. And Princeton did optional pass-fail. 
So usually you can only pass fail one class per semester, but they made it so that you can pass fail any number of classes during the semester, um, but then you can also take it for a grade. And a lot of people who are juniors or seniors and saying, you know, we wanted to get into graduate school. So this is great for us because we want to raise our GPAs because pass fail doesn't, because it's just a pass or a fail, it only goes towards your GPA if you fail. If you pass it, it just is unweighted. And so a lot of people are excited about that, but then a lot of other people are saying, this is just going to reinforce the kind of educational inequity that's already present that while being at Princeton was being undone because of all the resources there. Mm -hmm. And so I understand the argument for having it be optional, but I think that it's just going to kind of reinforce the cycle of educational inequity of students being at home and being in different environments, not having access to the resources necessary to kind of have the best education possible. And so I felt very strongly and was a part of a group that's trying to petition Princeton to change to mandatory. We're not saying that they're doing this out of any ill will, but we just don't think that they, we think that there's a lot of stuff not kind of coming to light that needs to be focused on that would show the necessity of having it be mandatory. Yeah, that makes sense. Annalise, what about you? Have you, what is, what is Boston Conservatory done or how are you graded or how has that changed? From transitioning online, from what I believe and from what teachers have been saying, um, I feel like it's, I think it's up to the students to, to choose um, if it's letter grade or pass fail. But I think teachers are deciding over the students, which is a little frustrating. But I know my voice teacher emailed me and she, you know, she told, or she asked us if we wanted to have pass fail personally or a letter grade. And I emailed her back and I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me this option. Because for me, I haven't really been handling this transition well. And I have found myself very behind in a lot of my work. And it's been frustrating. And because of the really tight deadlines, I chose to have a pass fail for that one, that one class. And I was really thankful for having the opportunity to choose pass fail for classes like that. So basically, the emotional piece of this, both of you have kind of drawn attention to, to two different aspects of the emotional reality of this. One is that there is an entire, um, there's, there's a whole sort of subset of folks who are like highly, just, I would just say highly privileged, right? That, that are very fortunate to have the resources that they have. And then there is this emotional reality or emotional reaction that you have that to the folks that, that to the, the folks who are the have nots of that, of that, whatever that subset of population is. And it seems that we are identifying one in most every single podcast. Right. Um, and then there's also this individual and personal emotional reality, right? Which is the, how am I dealing with this myself psychologically? So if we pair those two, like the resources, Wells, that you discussed Princeton having, um, or the support networks that, you know, Annalise, you may have in your family, how, what resources are there for college kids who do not have supportive families? I mean, are the colleges coming forward and saying, Hey, we're going to make this counseling available online to you. Like how are folks dealing with that? That's a whole nother aspect of mental health care that, that we probably could focus an entire show on, but just as to college students, how are you, how are you seeing that handled? So at least at Princeton, I know that um, we have CPS, which is counseling and psychological services and they actually have gone online. And so a lot of students at home who need to continue their counseling or therapy have been able to do it over Zoom. 
I've heard from a lot of people that, you know, it's better than nothing. It's a valiant effort, but it's just not quite It's there. not the same, right? I just, no. I had a meeting with my therapist yesterday and it was like, we talked for like 30 minutes and then I'm like, well, what? I guess that's it. You had a it. meeting with Gudrun? I did, yeah. I did it yeah. over, over, over the internet. So we have the same therapist. Um, uh, I'm jealous. But, but yeah, so I had, but, but it was like, it normally like when I'm with her, like it's just like, we just like go through all the, all the things and it takes like a full hour and like in 40 minutes we were kind of like, what do we well, talk about? All right. Then I guess it's about time to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, they're just, it just, what you're right. It's not the same, like to, to have that encounter. Um, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I, I was thinking that as you were saying, I was like, I bet it's different for them than it would be if they were on campus. And so you, you've, you've heard people say that, but then do yeah. they have sufficient enough resources? Well, as like, are there enough counselors? Cause this is like a mental health crisis. It's not just like your average everyday you know, mental health need. It, mm-hmm. it accelerates a whole lot of existing mental health issues. And then it also creates mental health issues. At least it has for me. Yeah. Um, so CPS has actually been a huge point of contention at Princeton. Even before this, um, they increased their staff by about 30% over the last two years, I think, over the because of huge petitions by student groups saying that, like, we need more access to mental health care. And so they've been trying to make it more accessible but then also it wasn't quite there, but it was getting there and then this hit and now it's again kind of lack of resources. But then something Princeton did, which I thought was nice and should have been done was students who come from really unstable homes where they don't feel comfortable or safe at all. They allowed them to stay on campus. Um, And so there was an option for students that really just didn't, couldn't go home. And so that was nice of them to do. But then again, you know, CPS, it's better than nothing, but it's just right. not quite where it needs to be. Annalise, what about you? Going back to freeing the natural voice, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel is like my mantra at this point. So I was reading on uh, a, fa- a Facebook post that someone posted on our like major Facebook page for music theater. And they said, how am I supposed to free my natural voice when I'm when I'm back in the place that quieted me to begin with. And do they mean like physical space or they mean like psychological space or both? Yeah, I think, I think it's both um, because our whole work is about opening up and, you know, living past our traumas and, you know, pushing past everything that we have like mentally going on in our brains constantly that are holding us back from, from doing our job. And um, I mean, counseling is a, big thing at my school like everyone I know has tried to go to our counseling services and they have moved online but I mean there are not many counselors at our school and I mean they've moved everything online they moved their Alexander technique classes which is like hands-on like body work kind of like a very emotional yoga mental yoga one might say um and actual yoga classes online and then they have their counseling services their um nutrition services are online which is very useful but also when we're at school they're very hard to get into so I haven't actually tried to use them yet because I'm because online has been so hard it's hard to now go online with you know a therapist for me because their therapy is a one-on-one session with somebody I mean like I mean being physically with someone in a room is is so calming and I'm just I'm personally very scared to like try to do something online with my right. school because everything online with my school so far has been so difficult. You're at home now and you're doing online classes and the hope is that you will return to 
school in the fall. What do you feel like are sort of the long-term effects that you might see on school after this? Like what are things that are, that are changing in this time that you feel like, like maybe they won't change back or maybe they'll have sort of a permanent effect on the way, the way your school operates or the way your learning operates. Like what, what, what are some predictions you have or thoughts about how that might play out? At least for me, I'm very, I, when I go back to school, I'm going to be very appreciative of the fact that we are back at school Um, because truly I didn't know how much I loved being in a room full of people until I lost that opportunity. But I think with going online, it opens up such a new world to um, many people and many artists, especially. Um, I know when this quarantine is over, I'm going to be so, so good at self-taping. Yeah, so you had sort of a viral sort of a recording of yourself, oh, that's right. didn't you? Yeah, the um, the viral like, uh, what is it? What the world needs now? Love, I think, love yeah, that I think video. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's to say you're you're in, in terms of opening up that possibility. I think you're kind of a big deal. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> I haven't got to see it yet, but I heard about it. Yes, I I was not in it, but um, a lot of my classmates were, and that was really cool to see. But I mean, that's something that. Every like Broadway has gone dark. Um, people's internships for summer work have have been taken away. I mean, a lot of theaters are closing because they don't have the funds for it. But it's kind of become this beautiful like discovery of online art. And when this is over, I think now we have another another thing that we can put in our back pockets with because this pandemic has you know has taken away physical physicalized art and like physicalized work in class and being able to play play our instruments in a room full of people um we're able to come back to come back to school more grateful in the fact that we were still able to do art online and i also think it's become such like a such a big thing that it's something that we need to learn to do with you know online becoming such a big thing before you know this happened before classes went online and so um, when we come back, I think it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how we're going to take this stuff that we have learned online with like bringing art to more people, to people who don't normally get to see. I mean, Broadway, Broadway is being broadcast online now. Mm-hmm, like, it's yeah. just so cool. Like, it's art is becoming more accessible to people in a time where things aren't accessible to people. And you think that persist. I think persist. that's so cool. Yeah. And, like, right now we're turning to Netflix shows and, like, our Everyone Hulu shows. It. Can we All please not mention the words? The Tiger King. You don't have to do it. You're the one bringing it up. Oh, God, that show You're is the one bringing so up Tiger horrible. King. I didn't do it. <laughs> Tiger God. King. Uh, I don't even get why it. it's a I thing. Was, that, wasn't, that wasn't me. You, you could let okay, it go. Okay, we need a podcast about it. How many of you like Tiger King? I watched it in one day. Oh my God. I'm so disappointed <laughs> in you, Annalise. Yeah. Wells, what about you? So I feel like the biggest thing will be people need, or people are going to remember to kind of take stock of where they are. And then also remember that not everything is the end of the world. And so people at Princeton have been absolutely freaking out because their summer internship plans were canceled their opportunities, like me included, we've all been really stressing out, but then we all kind of have realized that we need to take a step back and just breathe for a second, realize that it'll all be fine. And so I honestly think that the lasting impact of this will be to remember that not everything is a huge deal. And then also 
kind of, at least this applies to me as well, will be that we need to be cognizant of when we need people versus when we need to be alone. At least for me, I'm kind of a borderline extrovert introvert. And so me too. <laughs> for a while here, I was very happy because i was like i get to be alone yeah, that's exactly what yeah. christine and said And so i was like i'm i i said i said that uh, social distancing is an excellent reason not to go to parties yes and so i i was like perfectly fine for a while but now i'm like i'm craving human contact that's not my mom and brother and so i and although your mom and brother are delightful yes sure. of course um and so i've been i think people will be really cognizant of kind of when people need space versus when they need people. I actually think people will be paying a lot more attention to checking in on people, uh, checking on their mental health, checking in on their, like where they are and, you know, with their headspace, just everything surrounding that, being aware of when they need to give them a second or when they need to kind of push past the barriers that people put up themselves. And so I think that'll be really interesting and actually a really good outcome of this. And so I'm excited to see yeah. how that is out. So that is a perfect segue into where you're finding shelter right now. So we always give you guys liberty. Like this is, this is one of our wrap up questions. Like where, what, what is it that for you is representing shelter right now? Um, given the sort of y'all's stage in life, it can be metaphorical. It can be figurative. It can be literal, whatever y'all pick. For me, my shelter, my shelter in place has been, um, it's been very metaphorical. I am finding a lot about myself while in this time, while I'm sheltering in place, a lot of about, a lot about my mind and body and the connection between the two. I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of having a back injury. <laughs> and throughout this, um, throughout this, it's gotten worse because my mind and body are so disconnected. And because I'm so worried about everything that my body just hurts all the time. Um, and I'm finding I'm finding shelter within meditating and coming back to myself and spending moments, um, just spending moments alone and just like thinking about everything that I'm so grateful for while in the midst of chaos. And in, instead of, you know, focusing on the negative things that are happening throughout this, thinking about the outcomes and um, how excited I am to just like see people again <laughs> as much as I love my family. Uh, <laughs> see, being able to just like hug my grandparents again. And like, when I walk past their house yeah. on my daily walk, I can go inside. Um, so this will surprise no one. I miss hugging. Oh, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Hugging is my shelter. Wells, what about you? Uh, so I feel like for me, it's been a little more literal. I have really found myself finding a lot of comfort in two things that are quite opposite. One is writing poetry and the other is running. Um, and so, at least for me, I didn't really discover that I liked poetry until college, but I ran all throughout high school and it was something that I did to kind of clear my mind, get away from people, just listen to music that I really love. Um, and so both of those have been really huge in allowing me to kind of take space in a way that's comfortable to me to figure out, like unpack kind of everything that's happening. I some people do well with kind of unpacking their mental health with when they're around people, I need to be alone when I'm doing it. And so kind of having a space where I can write down my thoughts or having a space where I can just be by myself in like a trail. Well, actually those have been closed, I guess on like a street where I can just be running. Um, and so those have really allowed me to 
kind of figure out where I am, how I'm doing in a space where I feel really comfortable doing it. And so that's where I've been, how I've been sheltering in place, I would say. Oh, those are those are really really helpful things to think about. Uh, one thing we also have asked every guest uh, who's on Children in Place to do is to highlight a nonprofit that is near and dear to your heart that is making a difference in people's lives during this time. So uh, we want to make sure we give the opportunity for you guys to shout out those uh, those nonprofits now. I chose the Actor Fund, a nonprofit that provides stability and um, resiliency to uh, actors and creators, anyone in entertainment throughout their entire lives and uh, keeps art alive. Is that national? Um, that's a national, it's a national um, actor fund. So you, you could find them, I think it's at actorsfund.org. Yes. Is that the right, the right website for it? And so if you go there, if you actually go to the website, right when you pop up, uh, there's a there's a pop-up menu that says here for our entertainment community and there's a place right there where you can um, where you can ask to, either to get help or to donate there on, on their website. Wells, what about you? So I chose uh, Children's Trust, which is here in Roanoke, and it's just aimed at reducing um, child abuse, providing, it's kind of a combination. It's kind of two-pronged. It has a children's, okay, it's a children's advocacy center where they have spaces where Children can safely talk out what they're experiencing with experts. And then also, which is, um, and then also it helps ensure that abused children in the Roanoke Valley have a safe and permanent home. And I chose this specifically because kind of rates of childhood and domestic violence while in shelter in place have been alarmingly high. Yeah, skyrocketing, um, right. Those, I feel like have been, especially during this crisis, but then also just in general have been really really important and necessary. Yeah, yeah so that's a great organization. If you want to find out more about the Children's Trust, you can go to roact.org on their website. And right when you uh, pop up on their website, uh, they also have a thing that says the COVID-19 response from Children's Trust. And you can find out how you can uh, take action. You can support the, the important work that they're doing right now. So thanks for sharing those with us. Lots of great folks in that in that organization. So the final question we always ask you guys is, what are your contributions to our shelter and playlist? And I love the name of that so much. And we actually, it's on Spotify. It's a list that um, anyone can contribute to, but we always like to ask our guests what their, what song is representing shelter to them right now in light of everything we've discussed today. So I chose the song, The Graduate by the Arcadian Wild. Um, it's a song that I have listen to on repeat every single day while sheltering in place. Um, it's a big song that goes out to, you know, literally to all the graduates that aren't able to graduate and aren't able, able to walk across the stage, university and high school, and even like fifth grade graduation. That's a huge transition. And I'm so sad for the fifth graders who don't get to have the graduation. <laughs> the lyrics talk about how how everything changes so quickly in the blink of an eye. And this is something that has changed so quickly and something that was least expected, but um, how we're always wandering through life and uh, eventually we'll, we'll be able to see the end. Yeah, so I actually chose a song for my, one of my favorite singers who's not really in my generation, but I still really love. It's just Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Oh, I love Tracy yeah, Chapman. So, so you mean you, you mean you, you, you when you say not your generation? He, I think he means mine, and he means he's like mean old, he's like my generation, Christine's generation, or... which means old as hell people. <laughs> but um, I just I didn't I, I didn't hear any of that in your voice, Wells. Just so you know, <laughs> no, all in fine. No, kidding. <laughs> so tell me why. Tr tell me why Tracy Chapman. So I just adore her. Um, I think that the song itself is just kind of well, it's 
the lyrics themselves are about um, you know a poor woman trying to escape a cycle of poverty it's kind of just makes me think of kind of escaping the cycle of monotony almost that we're experiencing right now and uh, right. so I just it's been really great for me to think about ways that I can try to escape cycles that are kind of being built up around me and so I've absolutely loved it and also it's just a great song she's an incredible voice so Thanks you guys both for sharing your shelter and playlist songs with us. Also, uh, the the nonprofits you lifted up are very are very helpful and um, really thoughtful. And we want to just appreciate uh, so many of the thoughtful insights you've shared with us during this. Uh, I, I feel like I've learned a lot and and been opened up to some new ways of thinking about some of this. So I want to yeah. appreciate um, the things that you've been able to share with us and the insights that you're you're able to share from your own experiences as well as sort of the larger world that you're inhabiting. So we've come to the portion in our show where we share our shelter and playlist choices. What's yours today, Alan? Mine is Going Away to College by Blink-182. But anyways, I think some of the feelings of that song are, are probably not so far from what some folks are feeling in terms of wanting connection and wanting to um, to, to, to remain committed, connected to people who are who they're used to being close to. I mean, for me, when I was in college, like those friendships, what I want when I, when I am older is, you know, is for everybody who are my friends to all move into the same retirement community because they'll just feel like being in college again with no schoolwork. Like you're just all hanging out. You know, you like if playing. they all like each other, that's a, that's tricky. That's right. They yeah, they need to like each other. I think that's part of it. But you know, like I mean, like when I go to visit like older persons some of these facilities, they got all they go on field trips. They have like video <laughs> games. They like they have all the things you could want. You all get down. You get to eat meal all your meals together. I love that. So I want anyways. the nursing home with the full bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's that nursing home? Yeah, where is that nursing home? So, well, that's mine. So, Christine, what is your uh, shelter and playlist song? So, for the I day? was trying really hard to come up with the song that was like out in college, and then I realized I listened to the same music in college that I listen to now, which is pretty much like all classic rock. At some and point, you got off that train. Folk. You just said the same stuff. Yeah, I never listened to like music current to my college years. So then, all of a sudden, for some reason, that bare naked lady song one week that talks about like just time in the in kind of like what Annalise and yeah. Um, and uh, Wells were talking about how basically there is this, how quickly things happened, right? That yeah. song is always, the pace of it and the lyrics always remind me of sort of how quickly things change. It's also a good song about getting, being aggravated with each other while you're at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good part of, it is. which is a big part of sheltering in place. So. As always, you can find our Shelter in Place playlist on Spotify. You can look for Shelter in Place and please make sure to send us your submissions and we will add them to the playlist. Shelter in Place is an original podcast of Soul Group Media. It's produced by Joey Porch of Liquor Sickle Productions. The theme song was written and performed by Joey and Zella Porch. If you'd like to find more about the podcast or Soul Group Media, you can visit our website at soulgroupmedia.com. That's S-O-U-L-G-R-O-U-P-M-E-D-I-A, or find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. 